He's back like a bad rash. Legendary broadcaster, Drew Marshall. With hair, long, beautiful hair, shining, gleaming, stinging, flaxen, waxen. Give me down the fair hair, shoulder length and longer. As someone who is follically uh, challenged, I would like to complain about your selection of music right now. Well, I am follically challenged as well, so there's a little self-deprecatory aspect. <laughs> Sounds as- like you just went to the bathroom. What did you say? <laughs> Self-deprecatory. Scott Hamilton is a living example the good guys can finish first. Uh, he is an Olympic champion, cancer survivor, television broadcaster, motivational speaker, author, husband, father, eternal optimist. And sometimes he's got to be a jerk. That's what I want to ask him. Yeah. When was totally. the last time you were a jerk? During his figure skating career, Scott Hamilton's list of achievements includes his Olympic gold medal, over 70 titles, uh, titles, awards, and honors, and trophies. And Oh, my. <laughs> In 1990, Hamilton was inducted into the United States Olympic Hall of Fame. Wow. And uh, in that same year, he became a member of the World Figure Skating Hall of Fame. That's too much for one year. That's a lot no, of soirees not. to go to. It must be a four. For, <laughs> he doesn't know <laughs> what know. we're talking about. I know, I know. Enneagram is what you're talking about. Uh, following his mother's passing from and his own survival of testicular cancer, uh, Hamilton launched the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation. There's so much to talk about with this guy. But uh, Time Inc.'s People Entertainment Weekly Network, PEN, in other words, announced the new original weekly six-episode docuseries, Scott Hamilton Today, featuring American figure skating icon and Olympic gold medals and medal. I, I don't want to read any more of this. I want to talk to Scott yeah, Hamilton. Scott Hamilton, um, I want to tell you, this is, this is what I came across the other day. On, I was on um, a dating website, and I came across this bio, and I want to know if you know this person. Are you ready? Yeah came across a really strange personal ad. It said this, short, bald, half-neutered, chemoed, radiated, surgically repaired, retired male figure skater. Of unknown ethnic origin, seeks a beautiful, intelligent woman for long walks, laughter, and an interest in my hobby for collecting life-threatening illness. Hey. I think I know that one. Hey, I don't go out on the ice and skate when you skate. You just stepped on my intro. Well, that was the longest intro I've ever received. That's right in the middle. Seriously. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Scott. I, I know you had a good time with uh, Kathy Lee the other day. And uh, when Kathy Lee speaks highly of somebody, either she's already been drinking or that person is an actually amazing person. <laughs> well, you know, unless you've been drinking with Kathy Lee, then that changes, you know, everything. But uh, she's a great, great lady. I, yeah. you know, I kept running, you know, from starting meeting her when she was with Regis, and then, you know, now, you know, on the Today Show, you know, going probably every year. She's a great lady. Hoda's awesome. Um, just, you know, everyone has a really beautiful story to tell. You know, we just got to sit and listen. Yeah. And, and I know, you know, Kathy has, you know, had her highs and her lows. And uh, um, I miss Frank. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's tough life, you know, but we... We rise above, right? That's yep. that's the point. Is finding a way to you know rise above our our problems. Well, Scott, listen, I I have to admit something here at the beginning of this interview. My figure skating education came about as a result of watching Blades of Glory. <laughs> 
when you got the right one, when you had the best one. <laughs> See, I don't, I, I don't even know. Like, there's only two moves that I can even kind of, I don't know, repeat or bring to mind. And I'm not sure if I've got these right. Is there one called the forward camel toe? Is that a? Uh, no. No. Okay. What about the? Is is there one? Is there one called the double klutz? The double klutz. No. 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 no not on purpose. No. Okay. All right. Actually, what I really want to know is: Have you ever? Have you, has anyone ever asked you this question? Have you ever puked during or after a spin? Uh, no. Other things have happened, though. No. Okay, that would be just. I mean, because I tried this. Like you know, I'm Canadian, so I get out on the hockey skates and I try to try to be cool and do some figure skating moves, and it never ends well. But when I do, well, the- Canada is like the center of all ice sports. I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of that's where it lives. You know, you look at uh, you know hockey and figure skating, and that's it. Okay. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. All right, I I had uh, I have this friend who won. Oh, it was not called. Was it called Battle? Yeah, Battle of the Blades. Yes. Uh, uh, Val Bure uh, was paired yeah. was paired with Ekaterina, the uh, Russian Gordiana. last name. Yeah, that's it. Gordiana. Yeah. And, and they won the whole thing. And right at the end, as they were going to credits and rolling, you know, they were saying goodbye. That's the end of the contest. And the credits started rolling, and the camera pulled back. They dropped the trophy on the ice. It broke. <laughs> well, it's good that he didn't drop her. Drought. <laughs> You know, they were, I mean, he looked like a figure skater. When, when, I mean, he was so smooth, and they picked up right away, and they were doing hard stuff yeah. during Battle of the, of the Blades. That was a fun show. I missed that show. So I you, judged it one year, and, and it was fun. It was a really great idea. Who won the year that you judged? Do you remember? Oh, man, no. I no. don't. It was, uh, it was mostly that it was male hockey players with, um, you know, female um and then um, that one year that David Peltier won it with the female hockey player, you know, that was a big change here. But I know that Jamie Sallet married her partner, and um, there was a lot of romance on that. Yeah, set. yeah, they should have just called Canade, it Love Connection there. or something. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it's just like the hookups that you hear about on, uh, on Dancing with the Stars, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of relationships, uh, what's the best wreck you've ever had? No, I mean on the ice. What's the best wreck? Like, have you ever just totally gone into the boards or over the boards? Uh, or? No, I had a really good one. In my first year at Ice Capades, um, we opened on a Tuesday, and it was really unseasonably warm. And it's half price night. You know, they try to get everybody there to fill the house for the reviewers and <laughs> all that. So it was Philadelphia, so all the skaters came up from Wilmington, and I was really nervous because I wanted to throw it down. So I opened my program as a big Olympic thing. I opened my program with triple lights and there's probably about you know half an inch of water on the ice. And I'm thinking I'm not gonna you know, I'm be fine, I'm not gonna fall. So I was wearing my Olympic speed skating outfit, you know that really tight thing. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's really it's just basically spandex, that's it. And um I'm on the ice and I do the triple lights and I'm thinking, oh I'm the greatest skater that ever lived and then I go around and I do this combination, you know, hacksole, half loop, um Mazurka triple toe and in the air I um I I lost my place in the air, and I came down forward on both toes, and uh, basically did a front. But I caught myself on my on my elbows, so I was able to catch myself before I truly wiped out. And uh, I looked down. You know, when I got up, I looked down to see you know for my next move, and I, my elbows were soaked, my knees were soaked, and the middle part was totally soaked. It looked like I wet my pants. <laughs> I had to skate like that for another three minutes. It was really bad. You know, 
You don't always remember the good ones, but yeah. the bad ones, you always hang on to those. Yeah, well, after yeah. after your professional, your sort of you know com- competitive career, um, you could have picked up a sponsorship. Maybe depends. They could have been your sponsor. You know, I should have leveraged that. You know, I just don't think I needed you as my agent. I could do that. That would have been great. I could do that. Uh, so <laughs> sp- speaking of speaking of bad wrecks, you were on Celebrity Apprentice. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right. It was like. The second I got there, it, it's like, why am I here? And let's just make the best of it. And then, I, you know, I started getting into the mode of fight for your job. Just fight for it, you know? And i known Trump for a long time because he got involved in skating, you know, through the Trump rink in, in Central Park. And um, we did a couple shows at, you know, at casinos, you know, for television, things like that. Yeah. So I've been around him a lot. And, you know, I got the invitation to the show, and I said, well, that sounds like fun. And I got there, and it was like, please fire me. Like, please fire me. And then when he fired me, it was like, oh, I had like PTSD for a month after that experience. It was really bad. But when you think about the dysfunction, you know, when we're in the NASDAQ building, a state-of-the-art building for our task, right? And the air conditioning doesn't work. We can't get internet and our cell phones don't work. And it's 85 degrees. And then we get delayed. We can't have our response, you know, our, are meeting with the CEO for another two hours. So we're like caged animals. It's like, well, either they're really inept, unlucky, or they're diabolical. <laughs> now, which one do you think? <laughs> oh, well, I know. So I got fired and it was like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. What a blessing. Get me out of here. Yeah. Um, I know Mark Burnett uh, feels directly responsible for uh, the the fact that Donald Trump is now the president of the United States because <laughs> that's his show, right? So, yeah, he's um, still producing it, probably. Yeah. So, uh, I'm assuming you're still five foot four and about a buck ten. Is that right? Oh, uh, no. I, well, I got it up to about a buck thirty, you know, almost a buck forty when I was sick because I'm on all these steroids. But I got it down now. I'm back down to about my fighting weight when I was uh, pro. Okay. So, I'm. I'm feeling better about that. You know, it's just when you get old, like I'm really old, and it's not the years, it's the mileage. Yeah. You know, the best thing you can do is just quit stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Don't do that anymore. Stop it. Stop that. Stop. Yeah, that's like that Bob Newhart routine on uh, a bit when he was a shrink. Um, So with your your physique, though, you could have been like a bull rider in rodeo. Um, I I would have liked to have seen that because the guys that win a lot of money in rodeo are the five foot four dudes. Dudes. Yeah, and the jockeys. Well, I was too tall to be a jockey. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, but the smaller you are, it's, you know, whenever I travel, I travel Southwest Airlines all the time. It's like at first class. Oh, right. Every seat's first class. I see a six foot five guy get on the plane. I just yeah. my chin quivers. I just feel so sorry for him. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you feeling sorry for me. <laughs> um, so, but, but being that height and that size, I mean, is that why one of your signature moves was the backflip? Because have you ever seen a tall, freakishly, you know, freakishly tall figure skating dude do a backflip? No, you're the guy who's going to yeah, do that. I mean, Robin Cousins is about five ten. He does backflip, and oh. then Jeremy Abbott just won one last year. He's about probably five eight, five nine. But yeah, I've never seen like a six footer do a backflip. No. That'd be really fun. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, so people talk about oh, is skating even a sport? I mean, come on, is it? A, you know, I don't know. He's crazy. He goes, is it a sport? I go, really? I go, yeah. 
I go, you know, I've never dunk a basketball, but I'd love to see, you know, Shaq try a backflip on skate. Yeah, that ain't that ain't happening. <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> okay, so anytime soon. So you stopped growing uh, and were in hospital for four years between the ages of five to nine. You know, you're told you were, you know, maybe could die and all this stuff, and and it turned out that all of that was as a result of this pituitary brain tumor, which you were born with. Find it for a long time. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Crazy. Yeah, I always joke with people, you know, if you live long enough, all questions will be answered. <laughs> you just got to breathe in and breathe out until you get there. You know, I, I stopped growing for four years, and it was all that, and I started skating, and my health got improved, and I, you know, I really got to be very healthy. And then I had cancer in 97, that kind of was a bump in the road, and then I came back from that. And then I just decided when my first son was born that I didn't want to be on the road anymore, and I, you know, the, the good shows weren't as fun as the bad shows were really depressing. And so I, I just decided that I kind of got to the other side. So it was time to quit. And so I gave it up. And about, I guess, eight months later, I you know, feeling lousy. And I thought I was just depressed or something. And they said, no, you you got, like, no testosterone in your body. And it's like, well, how's that? And they thought, it's probably chemo from, you know, your, your cancer. And it probably just knocked that out. But, you know, here's some gel. And I got no, that's not good enough answer. So... Um, you know, I practiced what I preach. I tell people to be really vigilant, be their best medical advocate. I just, you know, kept asking questions until they gave me a, a head scan, an MRI, and they found the brain tumor. And, and then it was, you know, as soon as they did the biopsy a week later, they realized that it's a craniopharyngioma. And my wife was reading the information that they gave us on craniopharyngiomas, and she's just saying, wow, listen to this. Craniopharyngiomas are usually found early in a child's life due to lack of growth and development. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but in, in you know, the, the early 60s, they didn't have the technology to find anything like that. And if they did, they'd probably take like a shovel to my head and you know, try to get it out that way. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, there wasn't really a lot of good things back then. And, you know, and my work in cancer now is to make it look like chemo and traditional radiation were barbaric, you know. So the work I'm doing is really to, you know, list out um, treatment options that spare the patient. You know, it's chemo, you know, trashes you uh, in a way, kills the cancer, but it puts you through a lot physically. And, and, you know, traditional radiation, you know, due to the nature of it, it radiates parts of your body that don't need it or want it. So Collateral damage has been, you know, just okay with most people in the cancer world. And for me, it's not so much, no. Oh, man. <laughs> it's time to move on from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so survives uh, testicular cancer in 97, seven years later, diagnosed a pituitary brain tumor, which you were born with, and then it returned six years later, and now six years later again. Ta-da! <laughs> a, pattern, a pattern has emerged. Yeah. Crap. It's um, like, really? Come on! It's, every, I'm going to do this every six years. <laughs> That's not right. I know. You know, so um, yeah, the, the second one was a knockdown. You know, it was like we got really upset and very depressed, and, and it was you know surgery and those planned and turning them like you know eight more and nine more surgeries, and then um, finally got through that, and then now it's six years later and it's back, and this time. We had a whole different um, approach. This time it was, let's just keep an eye on it. We caught it early in a routine scan. Well, yeah, just, you know, let's just keep an eye on it. And in the meantime, I'm going to get strong. I'm going to get healthy. And I'm going to do everything I can not to give this tumor anything it wants. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, so far, you know, it's been good. I haven't had to pull the trigger on surgery or treatment or anything else. So 
we're just going to keep an eye on it. And, and uh, the nature of these tumors is they like to grow, but for whatever reason, mine pulled back and it shrank a little bit. Okay, and, well, and, and, we, we certainly want to talk about, well, I certainly want to talk about that whole thing in just a second, but I, I, I wonder if you and your wife, Tracy, have sort of treated each brain tumor, right, these three brain tumors, maybe in similar ways that parents might treat each child, right? So the firstborn, <laughs> the firstborn, there's, there's shock, you do everything you can to manage it the best way you can, you read every book about having it, you put all the energy you have into dealing with the tumor. The second one comes along and maybe you're like, whoa, 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 hold on. I just barely figured out how to, how to deal with the first kid or tumor. Uh, and then true exhaustion sets in, you're overwhelmed, you're like, oh my goodness, what have we done? And then the third, the third comes along and you're like, whatever. Whatever, I mean, we'll stick we'll still take care of it. We'll keep an eye on it, but whatever. Is it kinda yeah. like that? Uh, somewhat. I mean, you know, we really had to work hard for our kids so they seem like accomplishments, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean it's like you look at it in similar ways. In this one, it just seemed like the first one just ignited our faith, you know, that it really struck me to look at the world a different way. And um you know, just the nature of the tumor, you know, I was born with it. It allowed all these good things to happen. It's like, wow, that's crazy. And then the second one just didn't feel the same. And I, I don't know, maybe we participated in that. But, you know, the whole kid thing analogy is very, very smart. I like that. It's just, you know, we had to work way too hard for our kids. You know, the first one, not so much. And nine months and two days after get married, but... Max was, um, you know, Miracle Max. He came out of, you know, self-injecting uh, six times a week for two years, and um, we finally gave up on that, just prayed. Um, after we gave up the injections and prayed, you know, two months later, Tracy's pregnant. So, it's, you know, it's good stuff when you, you know, kind of figure out the best, healthiest path to go. And we've been, you know, trying to figure out what that is throughout. And when we adopted the kids from Haiti, it was sort of like, oh, that seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> you know, and then you realize that you've got these older kids, you know, who have really grown up their own way, and, and it's hard. It's hard for them to kind of step into a new culture, step into a new life, step into a new language, step into a new system of learning, step into a new reality. I mean, they came from a land of nothing, and now they're a land of abundance. And it's just right. sort of like, what is going on here? So... Um, it's been a wild ride. It's, you know, it's been bumpy, it, you know, there's been some things, but ultimately, um, you know, we've just been, you know, doing what we feel is, is good and, and, you know, in service of others. And, and we really, you know, try to, you know, like Tracy's totally hundred percent involved in Haiti. Um, all, you know, 24 seven involved with Haiti. She's been on her 26 times to serve. Wow. And, um, so I marry an angel, um, uh, but you know it's it's just you know you know you, when you have kids it just again it just seems like a good idea at the time, yeah. <laughs> and then you get into the practice of it and you know brain tumors are easier actually. Okay, hold on, hold on. You, you, I, um, I know that you and Matt Lauer spoke about a little bit about because these those interviews are like four minutes long. You spoke a little bit okay. about. About the tumor, you know, the doctor comes in and goes, so it's kind of getting smaller, and that shouldn't happen. And you full-on said, yeah, I guess that's a God thing, or whatever the words were. Do you really think that that there is a God, and that this God uh, reached down and touched you in such a way that, that this brain tumor is shrinking? Are, are, you getting, I, are you getting healed, man? 
I believe it. I, you know, I totally believe it. I, you know, it's just funny how, why would, and you know, you can explain this, you know, I'd, I'd love an explanation. How would, how could a, a, an almost 60 year old former figure skater, male figure skater, American, like candidates way different, right? How would I release a video on people magazine that gets 27 million views? And what's that? And I, and, Throughout, I mean, I look at it throughout, and there is no human, there is no worldly explanation for what I've been able to experience, not at all. And so my wife, you know, truly you know, brought me into my faith space, and it, and it makes, everything makes sense when I, when I look at it through that lens. And when we, you know, were faced with the first one, it was, you know, pure faith. Second one, we just, you know, we got knocked down really bad. And then this one, you know, we just said, again, just like, you know, the birth of Max, which is, you know, God will be there for us. And sure enough, you know, he's, he's making himself very um, apparent in throughout everything that we're doing right now. And, and it's just, it, it's humbling. It just knocks us down. It, yeah makes us feel great and you know just it, it our faith journey has been so specific and so powerful that i i you know i can't feel any other way i just can't okay but but you know that the pushback is going to be well i'm sure you've already heard it so you know so so God is healing you. God is shrinking the tumor. What about those people whose tumors haven't shrunk? God's not healing them. I know. And... I thought, man, did I, I I said that in in you know this people series. I just said, you know, I'm so grateful, and and it was really powerful when I heard it. The doctor basically, I said, can you explain this? And he just laughed and said, God. You know, I go, wow. <laughs> okay, now we're on the same page. But you know, you always have that guilt. You know, you always have the guilt of. Um, um, you always have the guilt of why am I receiving this blessing and others. And I just said goodbye to some dear friends who died of cancer. And it just, it shatters me that, you know, my tumor is, it's a benign tumor. It's not cancerous, but it, it creates all kinds of mischief, you know? So why me? You know, and I don't, I don't begin to understand it, you know, but I, I do know that um, I really feel like pretty much every great thing in my life, you know, is fueled by faith. That's a, you know, it's so interesting that the why me conversation goes the other way with you. See, I get I get really cheesed off when, when Jesus people cry and whinge about, why did something bad happen to me? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus and nothing bad should happen to Really? Nothing bad should happen to you? No, no, no. Uh, right? So, no, but yours is the other way. Where, yours... That's where this... No, that's where the stuff is, right? It's like we weren't wired. Like, if you think about it, take a step back. And whenever you're truly challenged, like, you know, if God forbid you're ever to be diagnosed with cancer, a part of you wakes up that you never knew existed before. We are wired. We are created and wired to respond to challenge in, in really profound ways where if all of a sudden we, we are recipients of incredible good fortune, you know, think about these people in the lottery. Their lives are destroyed. <laughs> just people, you know, you think about people that have great success in the industry of music or whatever, and they're just, they lose everything. You know, I mean, yeah, they're popular, they do this, but, you know, they, they can't hold relationships. They're going to suffer abuse. You know, it's, we're much better wired for challenge than we are for good choice. Yeah. So I don't, I don't ever say, why me? You know, I, every time something like this happens, it's like, oh, well, I guess, you know, I, I'll, I'll do my best. And, there's usually something on the other side if I participate in that 
Um, that's spectacular and, and terrific, but it's all getting on that kind of wiring where you say, all right, I'm going to do this as best as it can be done. I'm going to be a great patient. I'm going to be a good personal medical advocate. I'm going to, um, you know, reach out. I'm going to do a lot of things that I can do. And then, you know, whatever my result is, I'm really okay with that. You know, and if the result went the other way and the tumor was big and, and, you know, I'm okay with that too, you know, and, I think that's a part of it is just understanding that, you know, so much of what happens in our lives isn't, you know, isn't totally 100% chance, but we are given these temporary, um, you know, bodies that that tend to get sick. And, you know, all we can do is try to advance medicine and, and stay faithful. We are on the line with Scott Hamilton, figure skating icon, Olympic gold medalist, and probably one of the most irritatingly nice human beings on the planet. Are you like, no, seriously, when you wake up uh, in the morning, tell me there's a grumpy phase you go through before the, the perky stuff starts happening. Oh, some days. Right. Some days it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, why, why do I have to do the day again? And, you know, we have, you know, a million things to do here in Nashville, and, and uh, sometimes, you know, we've got four kids to get up in the morning and get to school, and, yeah, there's some days are definitely easier than others, but, you know, I, I tell people, anybody who listen, you know, I say, you know you truly 100% survive cancer when you get mad in traffic, because you're back to sweat and the small stuff, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's okay, this too shall pass, you That's know, good. I got something to compare it with, so yeah. it's all good. Um, I'm just looking at the time, but I mean, I really want to talk about Dorothy and Ernie. Do you have a few more minutes, Scott? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know. Well, let me just hold on. Let me set this up a little bit, Scott. I was I was adopted as a baby, and my mom, who I treated like crap through my teenage years, the woman who chose <laughs> me, uh, died of died of cancer 28 years ago on the same night my son was born. Oh my goodness! So wow. I I want to know what impact did losing your mom to cancer have on you? I think you were around eighteen at the time. Is that right? I was eighteen. and I was a really bad loser. I was party boy central. Was <laughs> um, completely um, undisciplined. Um, you know, I you know I just got into stuff. My 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 parents are both open hand people. They weren't really strict or conscientious people. You know, they were really open hand, they're just going to love on us and do the best. I mean, if we were late for curfew, they call the police. But other than that, you know, it was pretty right. much, you know, stay in your lane, you'll be fine. Yeah. And when I lost her, I lost her center of my universe, and so I realized that um, I'm going to suffer incredible grief. How do I do that? And I, I found that um, I found that if I take her with me every single place I go, and I become the person that she always thought I could be, that's my the best way I can honor her for being my mom and all the sacrifices, the sacrifice, the sacrifices she gave on a daily basis were unbelievable. And she really suffered. And, and for us, you know, as kids, you know, she wouldn't deny us anything, but she denied herself constantly. So I just decided that I was going to take her with me to the ice every single day. And, and, you know, she, you know, that, way of warning her really made me accountable and you know i started getting on a different path where now i was hungry to win and i was hungry to be what she thought i could be and it was really just one decision just honor her that allowed a lot of other really good decisions to take place so okay do you still have the uh the wristband that someone gave you just before she died 
The rope bracelet, yeah, it, it sort of started turning into a like a idea in a crowd of people, and they'd be going, "What's that smell?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of this thing, you know, because when you're an athlete, you wear the same thing every day, yeah. and the wrist kind of get a, you know. Yeah. So I, I cut it off and kept it, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it really was one of those things that remind me of her every single yeah. day, and. And now, you know, I, I, I have children of my own, and, and I remember her every single day in just the way that, you know, we always find ourselves, you know, repeating everything our parents said, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, my dad would always say, I'd tell him, I'm bored. Well, then you have to get nickel. And I'd say it to my kids, you know, it's just, uh, you know, all those little things and all the little perspectives that my parents gave me, you know, sort of imprinted. And, and I'd carry that stuff on and raising my own kids. Scott, I want you to, you know, I don't want to get all uh, Oprah on you here, but um, imagine if your mom had seen you win the gold at the Olympics and the first time you would have talked to each other after winning the gold, what would she have said to you? You know, I, 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 I kind of feel like I've had this, conversation, you know, um, and it's, you know, she was on the podium with me. I, I, I was, man, I felt great, but I felt sad. I, you know, I felt great that I won. I felt sad that the journey was over. I felt like the world was open to me, but who am I? And, you know, if I were to sit down and talk to her afterwards, you know, I just, I'm sure I would have just fallen into her arms and just burst into tears, you know, because she made it all possible. Mm-hmm. I did it for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pretty much everything I've ever done, and when I look at it, you know, I got into the world of cancer fundraising for her, to honor her, to elevate the cancer, you know, because when you hear quotes like, you know, Danny Thomas saying that building St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, let him know why he was born, you know, I mean, that's really deep, but... When I think about where my life was, I was an unwanted child. I survived that. And I was adopted by two great people that nurtured me and, you know, sacrificed for me. And, and I, you know, who was I to them, you know, in those years when I was gone half the year or I was a rebellious teenager and not really living up to my part of the bargain. And, and losing her, I just sort of woke up to the fact, is this really, is this, is this who you're going to be for the rest of your life? No. Hmm. It's time to take it to a different place. And, and so, you know, I just look at all that and, and I go, wow, you know, every place I've ever skated, every place that they sent me to learn uh, was just the right situation for me at the time. And uh, I, I don't know if it was by accident or by design, but um, man... Uh, they, they, there was nothing they wouldn't do to support me and to keep me on the ice. Is it, uh, is it true that you did a show the night of your dad's funeral? Madison Square Garden, yeah. Um, my dad, you know, he loved to come to the shows. He loved to get on the tour bus. He loved to, when we played floor, they'd follow us around in the car. He'd, you know, he'd just be there for every show, and it was really fun to have him. And the cast adored him. They just thought he really was the greatest guy in the world. And I knew that <clears throat> when he passed, I was um, calling the ladies' championship at the Little Hammer Olympics when he took his last breath. And, and I had such, you know, guilt over that. And I guess I processed it out, you know, when, you know, I spoke at his funeral, I was really super devastated that, you know, I wasn't a better son to him. And I had all that. But I realized that he just loved 
my skating. He loved, you know, he loved going to the Olympics in 1884. He loved, you know, the path that I was on, and he loved the fact that, I mean, I loved my mom as much as he did, you know, and, and I think that he wouldn't want me to sit around and, you know, you know my mom, when she was going to her cancer, don't just sit hanging around my room and feeling all sad. Go out and live your life, you know, do things. Mm-hmm. Be, be productive. And my dad was the same way, you know, just go, have fun, do what you need to do. And and so I knew that the best thing I could do for, for him was, you know, be basically, you know, um, there for everything I could be there for that day. And that was the best day that, um, you know, for everyone, my family, my brother, my sister, for everyone to, to assemble, to be there to honor my father. Um, but there was a flight that, that got me into New York on time. And I did the show that night. Wow. And, and I remember how I was sitting in the tunnel right before I skated. And I was just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and I go, you know, I just felt like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I had a, I had a really, it was a powerful night. It was a, really a great performance. <laughs> it was really one of the best shows I had. Wow. And that was because I, you know, I had my dad with me. I was just feeling his presence. Scott, man, yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, you were... You weren't created to figure skate. You were created to teach people how to get up when they fall. I mean, you you wow. are you are turning people into into Christy Yamaguchi's, right? You that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, get up, get up like Christy Yamaguchi and smile, right? Well, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have all these failures in our life, right? It's my last little bit of Yoda wisdom, I guess. But you know, when I saw Christy take that fall on the show and get up like nothing ever happened, I knew there was a life lesson there. And it's true. We're going to get knocked down in our lives. We're going to get absolutely broadsided, knocked down. We're going to fail. We're going to, you know, suffer these humiliations, whatever they are. They're going to be really profound negative things. And it's how we respond to them that really gives our life quality. And, and you know, again, in a four-minute routine, you fall down for one second. Is that the identity of the routine? Are you going to get quality and give attention to the other four minutes and 29 seconds. So, um, you know, you learn. I, I just try to pay attention and learn from things. And I know that the times that I've been knocked down are very, very, um, there are periods of time. They don't, I don't have to define the whole life. Like, yeah, I've had three brain tumors. Yeah, I've had cancer. Yeah, whatever. But it, it's like every one of those things showed me what I was made of and showed me what I'm capable of rising above. So, in that, I'm grateful for them, you know, and, and the same thing, you know, how do I, how do we honor our parents by being the people they want us to be and to do the things they want us to do. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I know, you know, the fact that you've got this platform, you've got this show, you've got this thing. I know your mother be extremely proud of you and, you know, you've got a child to raise and that's extraordinary. That's the, that's the stuff right there. And, you know, being an older dad, I realize that, you know, but how do we, how do we honor people? How do we mourn? How do we do these things? And it can't be, you know, crawling into a corner and falling into a heap. It's got to be, you know, rising above. Oh, okay. You're, you're messing with me here. So, um, I hate you a little bit right now. So thank you very much. <laughs> uh, let me tell everyone about this show. Time makes people entertainment weekly network, otherwise known as P E N announced the new original weekly six episode docuseries, Scott Hamilton today, featuring American figure skating icon and Olympic gold medal list, Scott Hamilton in his deeply personal moving and inspirational journey as he faces a health issue and contends with the trials and tribulations of life with humor, grace, and love and Tracy 
an intimate look into the day-to-day life of this extraordinary man through sickness and health. The first two episodes of Scott Hamilton Today premiered on uh, Tuesday, May 2nd. Uh, with all new 10 to 15 minute episodes streaming weekly through the season finale on Tuesday, May 30th, go to people.com forward slash pen, P-E-N, that's people.com forward slash pen, and uh, that's where you can uh, find out more about this man, his family, his faith, his journey. ScottHamilton.com is the website, ScottHamilton.com. When was the last time you were in Toronto, Scott? No, it's been too long. I was talking to Tracy Wilson a few weeks ago, and I promised that I would jump on that direct flight from Nashville to Toronto and just come up and hang. I used to come all the time, I'd hang out with Kurt, hang out with Brian, hang out with, uh, you know, John Brunton at Insight. And my, my agent uh, at that time was Kevin Albrecht, and we'd have a blast. You know, it's going all over town. So I love Toronto. I love Rodney's Oyster. I love <laughs> so many great things about that city. I need to get up there. Well, I want to thank you. I know you've been inundated with interviews. I know that doing interviews is not really your thing. Um, so it's just for you to give us this amount of time and to be open about your journey. And look, I'm, I'm a pessimistic jerk when it comes to uh, spiritual uh, truths and, and the legitimate impact of, of God in someone's life. Because I sit back like, like a jerk with my arms crossed and go, really? Really? Is God yeah. real, number one? Yeah. And then number two, really? Yeah. God is God is shrinking your tumor? And uh, oh, yeah. You've been very gracious with me and patient with me in this interview. Thank you, Scott. Uh, you can enjoy every minute of it. You're awesome. I hope we get the chance to do it again. I hope so as well. And uh, and thank you. Thank you for, I don't know, just just being the guy. Like you're a Jesus guy who's not embarrassing to other Jesus people is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, you know, I, I got, you know what? Here's the choice. You can have Jesus, you can have the world. Oh, wow! <laughs> I like that one. Wow! Yeah, take, take your pick. Wow! That's the choice you got. Yeah. You know, I, I look at the world. It's like, okay, people, <laughs> let's turn this act around a little bit. But um, I just wish you all the great things, and um, I hope I get a chance to shake your hand in person one of these days. We yeah. have to Toronto first. I appreciate that a lot, Scott. Thank you very much. Great to talk with you, sir. All right. You take care. All right. Bye bye. Scott Hamilton on the Drew Marshall Show. Neat guy go out with a song one of my favorite songs by johnny lang mm. this is why are you putting this on right now you because it was an emotional interview and he's only a man <laughs> name of the song yeah this is a song i listen to when i'm up at the cottage by myself quite often and I end up uh leaking <laughs> we'll put down some newspapers <laughs> johnny lang i'm only a man stay with us I grew up singing songs in church With questions in my mind Then turned my back and ran away From God who gave me life Then one night His presence fell I wept and shook in me I fell down and cried, dear Jesus, rescue me.